are listening to the Therefore I Geek podcast, episode number 72. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Therefore I Geek. I'm Tracy. And I'm the king of the north! We are doing an episode, obviously, on a recap of the entire season six of Game of Thrones, which actually ended two weeks ago, but I don't know if you noticed, but we had a wedding in the middle. So Andrew is on his honeymoon. And we were all participants of it in some major way. I mean, like, Andrew was the big participant (laughs) because he was getting married. Right. And then our our guest, uh, Becky, was the other participant. And then you officiated. I did. And I just had to stand there and look really boss and give a good speech. Your speech was awesome, though. It worked. Um, yeah, so Andrew is on his honeymoon. He's, what, in the Bahamas, right? I think, Bermuda? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, um, which is unusual for him because he does not like to be hot. <laughs> the ginger when birds. he told me that, I was like, you hate being hot. All the time. He's like, you yeah. live in southern Virginia, by the way. His AC is like at 60 degrees all summer long. All I hate going over there because I freeze to death. Try living with them. Oh, God. <laughs> There's two really big boys in that house, and they got it all the way down. It's like 55. <laughs> I used the, to make... You're the littlest I was, guy. I was the littlest guy. I was a skinny one, and I was like, man, you got it set to fat boy temperature. This is not fair. He did wear... have a lot of blankets for anybody that visited. He'd offer a blanket. Here, have a blanket. thanks andrew what what tracy's not saying is it was like those tinfoil thermal blankets they give to survivors of accidents (laughs) because it's so cold in that house so anyway so while he's gone and since uh it took us a couple weeks to recover from all of that craziness uh we're gonna recap so at the end of season five um there was let's see what happened uh the big thing was that Sansa Stark and Theon Greyjoy had escaped from Winterfell by leaping off of a giant wall into a snowdrift and that Jon Snow was dead was there anything else major that I missed at that point I don't think so I think Arya went went blind Mm. and yeah but that nobody cares about that I I know Sorry, Ari. Arya started out, like, the first couple seasons was one of my very favorite characters. I was ready for her to become a badass. But at the end of season five, season five was a boring season. In fact, so I was on study abroad last summer while season five was airing live. So I saw the first two episodes and then I left for 10 weeks. And then when I got back, I watched two more episodes and thought, fuck this. Mm -hmm. And then did not actually watch the rest of season five until about a month before season six started. Oh, wow. That's how slow it was. Yeah. was not it, interested. And you know, as as well as anyone, I think you've read all the books fairly comprehensively, that, that that's what happens to the story, is after book three, it slows down hardcore. And I have to admit, I didn't mind season five. I thought for the material that they were given, they did a really good job of, of at least getting the important parts in a 10 episode show because I was really worried because they split the third book into two seasons, right? I believe so. But then remember that they also split one book into two in the, in the book series. So book that's right. Four and, four and five were five. supposed to be one book. They're one book, but, but so they just told the story from the point of view of like half the cast of characters and they told the same stretch of time from the aside. Nobody. Cared. It was, it was yeah, no, that was rough. So, I mean, I have to say I walked away with pretty happy from season five. Season six I have mixed feelings about because I, on the one hand, I didn't like the way it began. And then in the middle, I got really into it. And at the very end, I went, oh, that was we all saw that coming. That was that's really that's really my thumbnail review of season six is, OK, get to the point. Whoa, the point is awesome. Oh, shit. This is really predictable. Well, yeah, but I mean, there was there was a limited number of places they could go after episodes, I think, seven and eight, maybe eight and nine. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they had sort of backed themselves into corners and it was pretty it was pretty obvious the direction. It's like, you know, if I can use this reference shooting an arrow, I mean, after, it, you know, it starts arcing, you know where it's going to land eventually. Yeah. It's not going to go wobbling off in some odd direction. Should have zagged. Should have zagged. Should have zagged. So, so. This episode, I actually did enjoy much more than the Battle of the Bastards episode that we did go into detail with, because it was just so 
it felt rational, but at the same time, it did feel to me like it took a lot of chances, narratively speaking. What do you think? Are you strictly episode 10? Um, episode strictly episode 10. 10. We all knew Boom was coming, but... Well, no, we didn't, though. I, I Cersei has had a... Uh, so, first, before we go too far, I, I want to let everybody know, if you haven't seen uh, episode 10 of season 6, there are going to be some huge spoilers. Like, we're not going to shy away from it. Um, so, cut off your, your sound right now and you go watch it. Fact- Hold on. You know for a fact everyone knew this was coming. No spoilers. In the- no. There were no okay, so spoilers in season six. There were a few spoilers. So here's the other thing. Up until now, Cersei has never been able to pull off, like fully, truly stick the landing on any of her stupid little schemes. I, know, I really so thought awesome. it was going to, I thought it was going to fall apart at the last second. I really did. Like I thought backfire on her, right? Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I was surprised that she actually pulled this off. So that's Instead of I'm blowing saying. up the set, she blows up the wrong part. Like, shit, that's the wrong part. That's of the King red keep. Damn it. I always yeah. get those two things mixed up. She obviously didn't see that, you know, I guess to some extent she didn't because she didn't realize her son was going to take a flying leap off the top of his home. Um, but at the yes. same time, so go ahead, set it up for them. Basically, this is the trial of, of Cersei Lannister and Loras Tyrell for being icky. That's essentially what this trial is. They're being icky. And, <laughs> and it is a, it, the, the whole episode itself is very, is a big departure from the rest of the season because did you notice the sound track is entirely different? It's absolutely stunningly chilling. Yeah. It was, and then it was, they changed directors every two episodes. And this, oh, I don't have the director's name in front Miguel of Miguel Sapochnik. Thank you. And he takes a lot of time to show people getting ready. And the music is very new. They're doing was, exactly what they have not done in Game of Thrones um, on, on most of their episodes that they should have been doing. They're showing us. They are not telling us. Right, um, right. And that's and something that the first couple of seasons, I think, did quite well. But then so did the source material. And then much like the source material, it sort of took a dive in quality and they started just telling you what was going on, especially through Littlefinger. They used Littlefinger for a lot of, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, for a lot of exposition. exposition. Thank you. That's the word. I was drinking. Sorry. No, you're I'm, okay. I'm drinking and I was like, I'm in the back of my head, my exposition, Tracy. Tracy, just exposition. I knew it started with an E. So they've been using Littlefinger and they also Varys. I mean, those two characters are almost the narrators of this thing. And uh, R2 and C3PO of Game of Thrones. (laughs) Yes. Wait, which one is which, do you think? Oh, Varys is definitely R2. Okay, that's exactly what I was going to say. That makes little fingers uh, C3PO. Um, He's, uh, well, maybe maybe not quite, but he's close. Also, he looks a little bit like a butler. Uh, But anyway, so the... Yeah, he's got that stiff, stiff movement to him. Yeah. He's he's an interesting guy. So at the beginning of the episode, we've we've spent a couple of episodes um, with the Kyburn, the the new semi master maester, uh, telling Cersei, yes, indeed, the rumors are true. Of course, it's very cryptic, so they don't tell us what that is. But any reasonable fan is thinking probably wildfire underneath the sept. That's that. Yeah, I mean, if, you, go if you're that. if your homepage is Yahoo, then <laughs> you figured it out pretty quick. <laughs> exactly. I mean, um, so she's clearly planning to blow that up. Um, what else is happening? Um, so Marjorie has become a member of the faith. Tommen, the king, has become a member of the faith due to Marjorie. But Marjorie's made it very clear to her grandmother that she's just playing the Game of Thrones and she's not actually, you know, given herself over to the faith. She's just trying to see how she can sort of play both ends against the middle, the, both ends being uh, the High Sparrow and Cersei Lannister. Right. And this is why I liked the explosion at the Sept is everything, you know, Margie's got a plan. And, and I think the weight of the audience is behind Marjorie going, what's Marjorie going to do? Absolutely. She's been very calculating this entire time. And unlike Cersei, she's actually able to subtly play this game without occasionally accidentally showing her hand and then stomping all around and, and throwing the cards into the air. Right. Which is what and- Cersei does whenever anybody calls her bluff. Right, and, and and great point. And also, just from a, a show standpoint, this character's been a fan favorite for a while. People, I think, really dig this character. Doesn't so help, they, it doesn't hurt anything that she's really hot. Yeah, yeah. 
So we have this sequence, this trial. Loris goes through the trial. It's all very well shot. And, you know, you could see that the set. I've always said this from the beginning. The High Sparrow, despite his ambitions for power, was a true believer. Right? And I think it kind of culminates when they cut up Loris's head and she's like, you promised you wouldn't do this. And he's like, I didn't say that. He basically plays like a, a, a Faustian bargain of like, I didn't really say that. And then, you know, Marjorie realizes something is wrong. She doesn't know what. And I don't know how I felt about this writing because it was almost like Marjorie knows you're all she's going to they're going to explode, but she can't say it. Right. It's like the character knows we're all going to die right now. I just don't know how. Right. Well, she didn't know that they were going to explode. She did. I'm, which I think you're, you're trying to say here, but. Um, no, not in a literal sense. Right. Like, she I think... knew that something was wrong because Cersei didn't show up, even the, given the fact that Cersei knew what the punishment was going to be for not showing up to her own trial. And yet she's not there. Some, and, and her, you know, her sixth sense, her woman's intuition and or, you know, her conspirator's intuition, right. if you will, is just pinging like crazy. Her spidey sense is like all over the place. And she's telling everyone we have to get out now. And it's still somehow all in vain. Yeah, and so the thing is with that one scene, and I don't, I don't know if the characters had even any inkling as to what she was, what Cersei was planning, because maybe Marjorie thought the, the sept was going to get surrounded by soldiers or something. Like maybe that, I, I have such a hard time believing these characters could see the, the sept blowing up. Yeah, they, I don't think so. I don't think so. She just knew that there was something wrong, and yeah. given Cersei's. Uh, just her behavior. She's totally right. nuts at this point. I, I swear to God, I think the woman has actually achieved some kind of crazy level of crazy. Yeah. And I don't mean, I don't mean in calculating terms. I mean, actually she, she she's nuts. She's lost she, it. She leveled up to crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and, I, and from a, just a show standpoint, a narrative standpoint, I thought this was the kind of stuff that I watched the show for. It's just blasting fan favorites and characters out of the water because it was that right turn that I appreciated is that we really think Marjorie's going to save the day somehow. And then not only do you blow up Margie, you blow up the High Sparrow, Loras, like the other, the, the kind of doof, the, doof, the doofus Tyrell, Lancel, and Kevin, Kevin Lannister, who I was surprised was very underused in the show. Yeah. Uh, and, and I was like, oh, that's really... a great foil as a character. He's fantastic in... foil to all the crazy Lannisters. Right, and, and they, we never get that. He just kind of stands there with a doofy look on his face. And I was like, yeah, this, this, this I thought was just really freaking cool. It's, so this moment of the show, because I thought of the entire season, you know, that was the kind of stuff that was missing from, from, this, from this season that we, we, I enjoy from previous seasons, was that kind of hard right turn of, holy shit, now what do we do? Yeah. You know, basically reset the cast and it's, let's let's get crazy. Do you think that it was worth losing your, your favorite guy, the High Sparrow? Yeah. No, I, I think going out like that, I thought it was cool. Because now I think Cersei has kind of taken his place. So I'm I'm so ready to see what kind of craziness Cersei is going to inflict on King's Landing. I'm not sure she's going to get a chance to, but we can cover that later on. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a good point. So I enjoyed that first half of the show. I thought that was really freaking cool. And it kind of made up for the boredom of the Battle of the Bastards, which I just didn't like. Speaking of boredom, so all of our least favorite people or most boring people met up yeah. in Dorne immediately after this. And I was just like, this is literally everyone I can't stand or who is boring or pointless or has no real power. Great. I'm so with glad. The, right. With the exception of Lady Olana. Who, yeah, although she, at this point, is powerless as well. Everyone, right. the rest of her house is dead. She, I mean, she can't have any more kids. Right. They're pretty screwed unless they can find a bastard running around somewhere. Well, unless they have cousins. I'm, I'm sure that, that they do, but her direct line is done. Her direct line's done, yes, but they've got to have cousins. And I just love the shit-talking she gave the Sand Sisters. Thank <laughs> God. Because like, yes. as much as you hate you know, um, Cersei or Arya, I hate the Sand Sisters. They are so stupid. They've just been poorly portrayed. I mean, they weren't super great in the books either. Don't yeah. get me wrong. They they have no ability to plan long term, unlike the man that they slaughtered a couple of episodes ago. Um, in the beginning of the season. Was it right at the beginning? I thought it was, it was like episode one or two. 
Okay, I didn't realize it was that far away. Definitely episode because we hadn't seen them in a long time, and there they are. Lady Olana's wearing black, and you know they're she just shit talks the whole thing. Like, let, let the let the women talk, and she's like, you know, Shut up, little girl. <laughs> yeah, I know. And then Varys shows up with the the blood and fire thing, and it's like, yeah. oh, okay, we get it. It this is. This is going to be a triple alliance. Is there? And essentially, they're just incorporating some of these sort of shitty storylines into the one big one, so we don't have to deal with them anymore. That's that sure. was my opinion, and and I think that was a good, good, a well done um, piece. That's that with a stroke of the pen, these guys are sort of been incorporated underneath the Daenerys storyline. So essentially, what we're getting, we're boiling down to basically three storylines. Yes, you've got Daenerys, you've got King's Landing, and then you've got uh, the North. Well, That's yeah, it. yeah. No, it's true. So. We were just led to believe that, okay, when Daenerys shows up, she's going to have the backing of the Dorns, which I think everyone kind of felt was going to happen. But the it Dorns, Dor- from what I understand, you could probably back me up with this, the, the Dornish people are exceptional in defending their homeland, but going on the offense is something that they've never really been able to do. That, and that's that's correct. And that kind of feeds into why... Um... What's his name? Oberon Martell had such a hard time going and I mean, even avenging his yeah. his sister, sister, sister? Wife. wife. No, no, no. It is. Sister. It is his sister. Uh, yes. You sister killed my wife. sister. I mean, the... Prepared to die. It could right. have been his sister wife. Honestly, sister wife. Yeah, no, this is Game of Thrones. Totally. And then you've got the Tyrell army, which is the second largest standing army in Westeros. Yeah. So you've got you've got that stuff going for them. So that's that's cool. And then you, you we zip over to to Maureen, and you know, Daenerys the whole sh- thing with the dragons. I just want to gloss over it because it was so dull. It was you know the the their, Daenerys has given Tyrion a what for, even though I think Tyrion did brilliantly this this season. Well, and, and she's too dumb to see it, which just is is super dumb. More of exactly what I expect from Daenerys. She's too right. dumb to see when there are normal minor hiccups in an otherwise brilliant plan. Because she is a shitty queen and should not sit on the Iron Throne. I mean, but but to be fair, when you show up, you leave a dude in charge, and you show up, and your city's getting shelled. I have a hard time with, like, minor... My, I mean, that scene where Tyrion goes, aside from this, everything's been going really well. And boom, and she's like, really? And then she's like, I'm going to burn all of them. He's like, you don't have to burn all of them. You just have to burn a few. <laughs> Lady, just, just a couple. And then everyone gets the point. And I thought that whole sequence where they negotiate and the dragon shows up and we're all like, there's a dragon in the background, we can see him. This is not going to end well for you. <laughs> like, we can see it in the back. It's flying around back there and she's just going to die. Eliminated Dario Naharis. Uh, yeah, actually, I don't like you all that much. You were just a really good fuck. Bye. Yeah, bye. Well, she's like, I mean... A lot of fans have made a whole lot out of the moment that she sits down with Tyrion immediately after the fact. Yeah. And... I actually hated that scene. I mean, I thought it was okay. I didn't, I didn't, it didn't, it didn't stick in my craw. It didn't, it wasn't like, oh, this is brilliant. So I didn't, it made sense. Like she, she, unfortunately in, in the world of, of Game of Thrones, she needs a man and, and she, she's not, she can't be Queen Victoria. Uh, she can't, or I mean, she can't be the, the Virgin Queen. She's got to have, I mean, that's not even a good example. Queen Victoria. Queen Elizabeth? So the, many, the first? Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. That is like a that. very good example because she did no, serve entirely without a king. Um, but I'm thinking, like, Queen Victoria had, like, dozens of extended family members. Like Elizabeth or Victoria? Victoria did. In Victoria the, the... was married. I know. That's why I said it wasn't a good example. Oh, Elizabeth I, though, is a fantastic yeah, example. Yeah, it's a better example. It said um, Victoria I. Like, no, that's, that's not good. Oh, because, okay. <laughs> like, her, all, her, all her kids were, like, the leaders of, like, Russia and Germany and Austria. And I was like, okay, no, that, no, that wasn't good. Yeah. Um, but, no, like, she... she gotta have a man and i thought the or at whole... least she has to seem available is what she said which right. is more of an elizabeth the first thing right. where i have to appear as though at any time i can marry so i can play these alliances yeah and then you had the did the did the alliance between her and the Greyjoys happen in this episode i believe it was battle of the bastards that's, yeah we all saw that coming and and that's where she got apparently half of her massive number of ships which just sort of happened Again, I, I'm sorry. I just uh, that's real nitpicky, but I cannot stand that she just yeah. like. There are many, many things that I am willing to say. Okay, they live in a magical world. Things are slightly different there. Shipbuilding takes a fucking long time, especially back then. Also, where did she get the wood? Like, I know, seriously, she's in the where, desert. 
They, she lives in the desert. The Greyjoys live on I, the Iron Islands, which are stripped of wood. Where the fuck are they getting all this wood? I don't know. But, I mean, this was a, this was another thing, it, like, getting back to the bigger picture of season six, where we're finally wrapping up the Iron Islands. Yeah. We've, well, we're we've finally wrapped. wrapping up all these random little storylines. Arya is going back to Westeros now. She's been over in Braavos for so long. Like... Yeah, yeah. We're we're sort of consolidating, and that was, I think, both. And we'll have these older episodes up for you guys to listen to. But um, a a big nitpicky thing with you and with me at the very beginning was, we're all over the place. Why the fuck are we still all over the place? And they've done a great job this season of wrapping all that up into three very nice, neat little packages. Plus a little bit of Sam over in Old Town, but we don't know where he's going. Yeah, that was that was kind of like, all right, I guess that's gonna something's gonna come of that eventually and and yeah so we get we get aria finally over in westeros and apparently that she's this is the one thing i didn't like about the aria storyline is and and i think you disagree with me on this is to me it never felt like she truly leveled up in in her in her uh bravosian adventure Mm -hmm. she just got her ass beat up by the blonde chick you know, Dario never really trains her, never shows her how to fight, never teaches her really anything. She she knows how to cut faces, and that's about it. Yeah. And I don't even remember seeing her do it. It was it was such a subtle moment. And she finally gets revenge on Walder Frey and his two uh, kids in the most Shakespearean style possible. Which by... happens, 90% of that happens off screen. <laughs> right. So right. she killed these guys. She cut them up. She... she dressed the meat. She skinned them on all that stuff. Put them in a pie. Bake the pie. Well, I guess she didn't really skin them because that was definitely an entire thumb or something. Yeah. Well, didn't she also have to kill the cute chick to get her face? See, and that was never really explained. That's never explained because I'm sitting there going, who is the cute chick that she killed? Because that's the... Right? They right? get faces from people, so she's just like, I'm going to find the hottest broad in the twins and cut her face off. It sucks on so many levels. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I agree that we didn't feel as though, it, the, again, where they were trying to tell you, not show you. Oh, yeah, she's real badass now. Okay, we're just supposed to just take that? Yeah. That Even was though she's I just never... been sort of blind. for The most she learned to do was fight without her eyes. With right. a stick, not even with a sword. Just a right. stick. I just, yeah, that whole, the whole Arya storyline of season six was super disappointing. Bad execution, bad writing. I mean, yeah, it would have been cliched if it were like a kung fu training thing, but I feel like the story needed that, and it would have made it would have made what's happening make sense. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah, it was just like, oh, she killed Walter Frey, so yay! And so then she she's gave back that, in the mix in Westeros up there. That awful speech. Yeah, yeah, that was, was kind of dumb. Terrible speech. But then at the same time, there were a lot of fun throwbacks when you rewatch it. Um, like mm-hmm. there was this moment where. Uh, Walter Frey says something to Jamie Lannister where he's bragging about what's happening. He goes, yeah, the, the Starks thought that they could, you know, put it in my face and where are they now? And then if you really look at that scene, she's right behind him. The cute yeah. chick is directly behind him. And I'm like, well, there's one. Just saying. You just, you just don't know it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, so speaking of Sam, I think I do have a theory on this because when he's he arrives in Old Town with Gilly, who I still can't stand. I have no idea where he's going to stash her right now. She's sitting, currently she's just sitting in the hallway, like waiting. She's like the most adorable pet rock of Game of Thrones. (laughs) She really, that's a beautiful way of putting it. So he goes in to meet the, the Archmaester, I guess is called. And all of a sudden we get a shot of this immense, absolutely stunning library Mm -hmm. from the top. And sure enough, the, uh, gyro, the, Yes, it's called a um, an astrolabe. Uh-huh. The astrolabes are that spinning... Um, well, I, I originally had thought it was a scabbard. I uh-huh. thought that we were just like scanning past this scabbard that was you know, uniquely decorated, but it's actually the outer rings of these astrolabes which are used to light the library. And it's got mm. the sun and all of the different sigils of the different houses, exactly as we've been seeing in the... Uh, the intro and mm-hmm. I think that it's going to end up that Sam is not really going to join the rejoin the battle at all he's going to be the scribe that writes down the story and at the end ah, it's going to be yeah. revealed to be the narrator ah okay so that's my personal theory as to why he's not neatly packaged with everyone else yeah 
And then we finally wrap up the, the Northern storyline, which was to some degree interesting. But again, I, I, I've been saying from the beginning, Jon Snow should have been dead from the start. Like that, he should have stayed dead or been dead. Stay dead. Yeah, he should have just, they should have killed him because it was this Julius Caesar moment of like, oh, what now? And brought in, you know, a, a new actor or a new, a new direction to take this. I, the, those left turns in the storyline is what, why I've come to enjoy the show. And then bringing Snow back and then him leading the army. And now he's king of the north while Sansa just sits there and sulks. You think uh, she was sulking? I thought she was happy. There's, oh no! I don't, I don't, it's very divided online as to whether she was upset or whether she was excited. And I thought she she sort of smiled. I thought she was fine. No, I I got the sulky, broody, bitchy. Yeah, but vibe. she she I think Sophie Turner just plays the sulky bitch so well. It's yeah. really hard for her to shake that. Yeah. So the, we've got this whole thing where the scene is. You know, you got the little girl Liana Star, uh, Liana Mormont, mm-hmm. who I think is cool. I think I think that actress is is really neat. And doing, they put a heavy burden on a child actor like that. And I think this this girl who's playing the role is doing a good job. Shows up, basically says, "I don't care if he's a bastard or not. He's half Stark. That's good enough for me." And then all the other guys, uh, who you know, who didn't fight in the battle, or some who did, are like, "Yeah, we're gonna try this one more time." And if you're sitting there going, "Well, it didn't work out the first time," and you're actually kind of in a worse position now than you were back in season the end of season two mm-hmm. well it's, it's season. winter winter is here there is now right. a white a white raven has come from the maesters at the citadel so it's winter time it's fucking freezing hope you have enough stores in your warehouses how are you going to actually keep supply lines if you want to march on anything i mean right. are they so here's the question are they going to march on anything or are they just going to sort of sit in their castle because there's really that was the war of the of the nine kings five. or the five kings sorry War of the Nine Penny Kings is what I'm thinking of. That's a different war. <laughs> yeah, uh, different. War of the Five Kings. They were all sort of battling for who was going to be in charge. Now right. they're not doing that. So it sounds like they might be able to just hole up in Winterfell and say, well, the North is ours. And the only thing they have to do, ever do is defend if the Lannister army ever marches North, which it sounds like the Lannister army is going to be a little busy. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's the thing. So the political situation in Westeros is not much different from... The, the immediate aftermath of when Ned Stark got his head cut off. It's the Lannisters control the center. They have Lannisport, King's Landing, and we would assume Storm's End, the Baratheon territories. They mm-hmm. have control of those. Uh, the Tyrells are like, to hell with you. The Dornish people are to hell with you. The Iron Islands are still technically declared their independence. They have no authority over them. And the North has redeclared its independence. Right. And now it's winter, so... You know, from a strategic point of view, you wouldn't want to march south. You you don't yeah. have you. There's no way you're gonna. And the Lannisters off. aren't gonna march north. No. So. It's so at this old, point, they could just chill. Chill. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Because that's that old rule. Number one. Rule number one. Do not march into Russia during winter. Yep. R- rule number two. See rule number one. <laughs> you know, that, We've a, tried this a few times. It doesn't work, guys. It never works. So. So yeah, I. Really, what we're we're talking about? Oh, and I guess we have to do the the big the big reveal, the big non-reveal. Almost forgot about it because it was so insignificant to me. Is yes, Lyanna Stark is Jon Snow's mom. Like, are we are we settled on that one? Yeah, we're pretty settled. I mean, they took they sco- they zoomed in on the baby's face and then they faded into Jon Snow's face. So I think that was about as much. Um, I at some point, Bran is going to. I guess, tell him. So here, okay, so let's... I mean, unless they throw us for a massive loop... Which I kind of hope they do. And they show us another baby. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, we get another baby, we go, fuck, now what? Yeah. (laughs) That would be cool. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't either. Unfortunately, this is one of the fan theories that I never loved, um, because I think that it's... People, people jump on this bandwagon as though Lyanna Stark is just this wonderful, you know, romantic heroine and that Rhaegar Targaryen is this you know, knight in shining armor. Okay, so there's two ways this could have gone. She's a hoe. Either she's a hoe, <laughs> engaged to Robert Baratheon and runs off with the blonde guy, or right. he steals her, stashes her in Dorne in a tower and rapes her until she's pregnant and then right. lets her die in childbirth. Like... 
There's only two, those two options. So either way, these are two horrible, horrible people. <laughs> Which is fine. Because again, you and I both know I'm all on board with horrible, <laughs> horrible characters. I love it. We got, we got, one of these days we got to do a discussion talk on that. But just I love horrible characters. The other thing is, Rhaegar's wife seemed, at least seemed totally chill with it. She's like, mm, okay, that's cool. You want to go? Thing. Oh no, she was totally pissed off when he laid the oh, rose of whatever. So oh, okay. it, this whole thing started when he was in a tournament and he caught sight of Lyanna Stark over there. And so he won. And when he wins, right. he gets either, I can't remember if it was a single rose or it was a wreath of roses or a bouquet, something. Anyway, it, it had to do with roses. And what he's supposed to do is go then crown or present the queen of the tournament. So the, the guy that right. wins everything right. gets to choose the queen. He's married. He has mm-hmm. two children with his wife. Right. He rides right on past her and drops the stuff in Lyanna Mormon's lap and gives her like the, you know, Stark. the Rhaegar Targaryen. Oh, sorry. Yes. Lyanna Stark. Yeah. Uh, the Targaryen smile or whatever. Right. And, and she and goes, oh my Elia's God. Like, <laughs> really? So, and remember that Elia, his wife. Right. Is Oberon's sister. Right. That's she... who was killed by the mountain. Right. But she's also Dornish. So I always thought the Dornish people were kind of like. She might have been okay with it, maybe. You're like, yeah, whatever. But I okay, would have been fine. pissed. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, you'd be like, I'm the freaking princess, damn it. Yeah, <laughs> or, you or you married queen. me, and I gave you kids. Like, at, 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 if if I'm married to you, okay, well, whatever, you know. Like, I I wouldn't I wouldn't just roll my eyes and move on. But it would be right. a lot less stressful than if I had I gave you kids. Like, seriously, do you know what goes into childbirth? No, you don't get to go cheat on me now. It's like, I gave you kids, and now you're going after this teenager. I know. Fucking Rhaegar. How old, how old is she? 15 in the books? It's, yeah, 15? between 15 and 16, I think. I know really in the young. Movie, in the, I know. In the in the show, they, she's got to be, like, in her early 20s. Yeah. But, like, in the book, she's, like, 15. Yeah. And, and I, you've been 15. I know I've been 15. Right. Crushes at 15? You don't really want to act on those. They don't end well. No, never do. I mean, the truth is, crushes at 15 tend to end the way they ended for Liana. uh, With pregnancy, pain, and and, and dying. That's usually the way they end. Dying of blood loss. Yeah, dying of blood loss. But usually pregnancy. It's usually pregnancy. That's the way, especially in the South. But it's usually... Yeah, so we... I I think it's pretty clear that it's going to be John... That's Liana's, his mom. His parentage is is definitely Liana. Whether it's also Rhaegar, and I, I'm assuming if Arthur Dane, the Sword of the Morning, the White Cloak, is guarding it at the behest of his prince, Rhaegar Targaryen, at the Tower of Joy, which is Rhaegar's tower in Dorne, that, yeah, the dad is also Rhaegar, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I guess the whole idea is we're setting up for Daenerys and Jon to... Get it on? I don't know, though. Do I don't know, but that makes, it, that makes her his aunt, which to me is even creepier than siblings. Well, they'd be half, but they would nope. technically be half, nope. right? Rhaegar just, and Daenerys are siblings. They got the same if dad. Ra- right. So if right. Rhaegar... Right, different mamas. Right? Yeah. Wait, it, Daenerys... Daenerys no, that's and right. Rhaegar that's right. are full siblings. So oh, that's right. That's John right. is Rhaegar's son, then that makes Daenerys his aunt, which is, oh, again, yeah. to me, a little creepier than siblings. It, it happened. It happened in Egypt. It happened in Greece. Yeah. It's normal, but it's still. But they're like the, they're the same age. Yeah. So, but that so that means Rhaegar knocked up his wife around the same time he knocked up Lyanna, right? No, Rhaegar's wife had two. Uh, oh no, the, that's right. You're right. Yeah. No, I think okay. Daenerys is a little older than John. Uh, like maybe five or six years. Not much. Wait, no shit. Now I gotta get all this crap straight. Ah. No, so remember- Daenerys' mom is the Mad King's wife, right? Yes. Yes. So he would have, she would have had to have already been born because at the point when Lyanna is giving birth, Jamie has already killed Aegon. Right, and and so Daenerys' mom is pregnant. The oh, war's she could, over. That's true. I forget yeah. that she could be yeah. pregnant too. Yeah. Yeah, she was real small when they had to flee. I know that much. Right. Anyway, so that's that whole. So here's a here's a quick question to jump into an, another section. What the hell yeah. is going on with Bran, and how do all does all of this stuff that's happening to him feed into the story? Where's that going? Because that's the one section where I don't know. No, I don't know either. So he's like, I assume he's trying to get south of the wall. That's what it seemed like. Because uh... he's branded, and that's what allowed the the Knights King to get into 
the Three-Eyed Raven's hole, his little cave there. Right, and that's actually a good point because Benjen says towards the very end of the episode, I can't cross the wall because of the magic's powerful magic that stops me. One can guess that that powerful magic has also been stopping the Night's King from crossing the wall. Yep. And if Bran crosses the wall, then the Night King can do it too, I guess? Possibly. But it just kind of shocks me that Benjen hasn't noticed... Like, hasn't felt any kind of uh, anything or hasn't seen the mark on his wrist or whatever. No, that's a really good point. And because, like, the wall is super undermanned now. There's, like, what, 25 dudes there? Is there even that many? I think I've seen six in the last scenes. (laughs) Yeah, it was, like, there's, like, ten of us. And they just, they hung three of those. (laughs) Right, they they killed a whole bunch of them. It's like, yeah, we're, like, seriously running out of dudes. And, like, the wildlings, there's, like, how many of them are left? Not even that many, because they oh. had 2,000 at the Battle of the Bastards, and most of them died. Like, most of them. Right, yeah. So and there's, a... what, like 50? 100? I mean, yeah, I mean, there couldn't have been. So it was it was weird, because Mance had a fairly large army mm-hmm. that I thought, in at the end of Season 4, passed through the wall. And then into the south. And then, I know John went north to and got to, to get more of them. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that army of Mance, was, the, the people in Hardhome, were the people who fled when Stannis crushed Mance at the base of the wall. I don't know. It's at this not point, really it's, clear. It's, it's not very clear. And there's a ridiculously small number of wildlings, given what we've been told over and over about them coming south of the wall. Like, why does anyone care about 2,000 wildlings? No, That's you don't. not that many people. No, it's not. Because, like, we're led to believe that Mance had 100,000 at his command. Yeah. And, that right, way, that, and we saw a scan of the camps that he was leading, and it was just massive. There were a bunch of giants walking around. It yes. was crazy. And then all of a sudden, there's 2,000? There yeah, that's so there. strange. It's like, because 100,000, that's nation-crushing army. That's a <laughs> nation-crushing army. That's probably then, more people than they had in the entire North at that time. Right. And then all of a sudden, yeah, we're not clear on the population numbers. And then, so in Season 4, they're gone. And then in Season 5... We're just, or season six, we're just led to believe throughout the entire, from Tor- Tormid? Tormund? Tormund. Mm-hmm. Tormund. He, he only commands about 2,000. They pick up a few hundred here and there when he goes recruiting, and that's about it. So they're either, either they've all been turned into those spider zombies. Yep. Or, or they're. Perhaps they scattered when they did get south of the wall. And yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Like they're really keep an eye on them. They're just they're south of the wall, but they're just in now in dispersed nomadic tribes. Yeah. Uh, giving again, giving the North all kinds of hell. Because again, it's like how many fighting men do you have left? Not many. Well, according yeah. to all the numbers that we've been given with John and Sansa trying to raise an army, not that many. We're talking like two hundred per household, yeah. and the households are at this point so scattered. The Umbers and the Karstarks are just like all you know spread out and. They have their little homes like Winterfell, but they're far, far away. Right. Which is belied by the fact that they scoot around so quickly. Well, yeah, let's get to that. Varys is a fast motherfucker, isn't he? That was unreal. I was unreal. I was like, does he already ride a dragon? I mean, we've been told there will be dragon riders. I was promised dragon riders. Maybe Varys does it. I don't know. I don't know. He, like, comes over in the beginning episode. It has one line in Dorne of blood and fire. All right, I got to go. And then you see him on a boat. He's just like, chilling. I'm on a schedule. I got one line. This is all I can tell you. I got to go. I got to catch right. the boat. That, that, was, that was nuts. And I guess this is, the, this is the moment the fans have been waiting for since the end of season one is Daenerys crossing the ocean yep. to come to Westeros. That's what everyone's been waiting for. Finally. Oh, my God. This, we've been waiting for what? Since, yeah, since season four. Well, yeah, I mean, but really since season season one, that's what they've been setting up. Yeah, she's been talking about it ever since season one, like... But does she, do you think she's kind of got the moral authority now? I mean, in the storyline is, is, you know, she says, I'm going to take what's mine. Is Westeros really yours for the taking? I would say no, not at all. I mean, it's, but it's Mm -hmm. kind of like the Israelites going down to Egypt and being there for a couple hundred years, having a mm-hmm. bunch of babies, growing to a large nation, and then, you know, God comes down and says, set my people free, let them go back to their homeland. They move back. There's a lot of people already living there. Yeah, yeah there's folks already there. 
Yeah, like it's been a couple hundred years. There's some new, you know, settlements coming in and moving in. Is that your land? And it's, it's a question that humans have been asking each other for a long time. If you leave for a really long time and other people come live there, is it still yours? If you're yeah. not even the same generation of the people that left, is it yours? Yeah, I mean, at least she's the same generation because her her overthrow, her family's overthrow is in, within living memory. But I don't think anyone's going to be happy to see her. Like I, a lot of people have been sort of feeding her this line. Yeah, you've got so many supporters in Westeros. The little people remember you. No, they fucking don't. No, they don't. No, that's the a little great people point. are worried about the potato harvest next year. Right. That's a really good point because the only people who are really looking forward to seeing her are the Tyrells and the Martells because they need someone to take down the Lannisters. Exactly. Because the Lannisters are basically now in between the, the anvil and the hammer. And most right. of the other houses have had their heads removed. So th at this point, it's the next generation of young people who don't remember the Targaryens at all. No, that's a good point. They're just kids. You know, I, I mean, mean the, let's the say that Sansa and Jon are not trying to become, you know, king and queen in the north. They simply don't remember the Targaryens at all because it didn't right. happen in their lifetime. Right. Or their life had just began when, they, when the Targaryens exactly. ended. That's, that, no, that's a really, really good point. And also, uh, uh, just keep in mind... The, had a point about this is that she shows up she's like this is all mine her supporters are just people who want to take care of the lannisters right that that's really it and it's like oh i'm the queen now oh great well yeah yeah what now are you are you that good i mean your track record's pretty shitty right the only person that was actually able to fix your mistakes was Tyrion. right and then you got and i mean i guess the wild card in all of this is again one of my favorite characters uh Baelish, where does he, where does he play into this? Because yeah. I'm waiting for him to throw a wrench into everything. I don't know that he can. I think that all of his plans were a little interrupted when, you know, his dream of the redhead sort of walked away from him in the Godswood. For he now, pretty, he seemed pretty upset about that, and he seemed pretty pissed. Speaking of sullen people at the King of the North meeting. He seemed pretty pissed off in that corner, just sort of glaring at the two. Well, yeah, that's a good point, because I had to get reminded in season five or four or something like that, he asked Cersei, I'll give you the North back if you make me warden of it. Oh, I just thought it was really weird, because Bruce Bolton was the warden of the North, and he was loyal to the crown. But then I guess that was all because they married off Sansa and whatever. I don't remember. Well, no, uh, Roose Bolton was a Lannister man ever since he killed the Starks. Remember that was right. that was yes. the big um, reveal, right? That was the be the beginning of his his time there, and that was mostly because honestly, Roose was one of the most calculating and the most clear sighted characters. I didn't love his bastard son, but as a as a character, I thought Roose was really cool. He saw yeah. through Rob's you know, claim to the the Northern throne and said, you know, this isn't going to work. I already know it's not going to work. What's the best way that I can keep my family safe and possibly move up in rank? Right. Well, let's make a treaty with the Lannisters in the phrase. We'll take out the, the young wolf and then I'll be the warden and I'll marry my son to one of the Stark girls, which in the books was not an actual Stark girl. They just found a girl and pretended she was one of them. Yeah, that's always a strange calculation because maybe you can explain it to me. They marry... He marries his son off to Sansa, or in the books, presumably Sansa. He had to have expected backlash. That's always that's the part I don't get. What was his plan there? I think that he was hoping she would get knocked up quickly enough that now his his grandchildren are also Stark children. Right. So at that point, are you real? You're sort of conquering, but you're also sort of marrying in. At the yeah. same time, like you're doubling your legitimacy. So mm -hmm. the, the crown is going to recognize you. And so it is honestly are, are the say, say the Mormonts, the Mormonts seem to be the closest allies of the Starks right now. Are the Mormonts going to be pissed off that one of Ned Stark's grandkids is also Bruce Bolton's grandkid? Probably not right. yeah. in the long run. They're going to say, okay, this is kind of a shitty thing, but it's still a Stark. Still an, still a noble house. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I, 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 again, it's interesting. I'm looking more, this was kind of a down season for me. I'm looking forward to season seven. And now I'm hearing season seven is going to be a full season now. 
Is, is, have you been up on this news? I have not heard that. I just heard that it was going to be delayed because heard, it's yes. winter in Westeros, and so they can't film during the summer like they have been. <laughs> so they have right. to film during the winter, and that's going to be that's going to require a lot more logistics, especially if they're filming in Iceland still. Good lord, Iceland Ugh. in the winter? No Ugh. thanks. No. Ugh. Iceland. I, they, what, Iceland what? in the summer is cold. I went to Iceland last year. Yeah. And it was July 23rd, so not that far from now. And you know how hot it is here? The high that day was 58 degrees. The high. Jeez. We were walking around with gloves on. Like, it was insane. In the middle of July. No thanks. <laughs> I'm in, I'll, I'll take Southern California. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No thanks. I'm good. Uh, it, so that's going to be cool. fun. I think it's going to take them a lot longer to film. Not just that they have to wait until winter to film, but it's also going to take them longer just because of winter logistics. Let's just hope it doesn't go as bad as it did for the Revenant, where they had to like, they start in Canada and then had to go to like art, like the Andes to finish filming. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I hope. I hope. Well, we'd be waiting an extra year at that point. I think. Yeah, thankfully they're not filming with just natural light. Yeah. That. Uh, well, so we got eleven months to wait. Yeah. How do I, we kill I actually, the time? I like I liked season six a lot. Um, you did well, okay. Maybe we'll get another book. In the next year. Ha, 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 ha. That's never happening. Yeah, not happening. I really don't believe we're going to get any more books. That's that's my firm belief. Oh, you're going like full on, he's done. Yeah, oh, I he's... think he's very done. I think that he's messing around here and there, but he's enjoying being a celebrity. He likes doing all the celebrity stuff, and he doesn't actually want to work anymore. I mean, look, here's my other thing, and this is just me being practical so avoid uh, ignore the fact that it's also somewhat insulting the man is enormous he clearly has no self-control like yeah. he does not believe in limiting his fun and i mean it, gluttony has been i mean for centuries people look at a fat person and say okay they have no self-control that's that's very true with him even if he were ill or had some other issue he would not be that fat just from that he does not know how to limit his intake of sweet stuff. So I, it makes me really question his ability to sit down and force himself to work. Actually, speaking of, I'll throw in, in the show notes, I'll throw an interview that he did with Stephen King. Oh, I yes. heard about this. Yes, in which he asked Stephen, how do you get your stuff done? And Stephen said, I sit down and I make myself write six pages every day. And George does that annoying laugh that he does. <laughs> and I'm like, no, shut up. Why are you laughing? He actually has some self-discipline. Yeah, I mean, novel I, idea. I was funny. We were at when we were at the Phoenix Com early last month. I was I was walking around with Andrew and, and a bunch of the guys, and I was like, you know, at first I thought there was a bunch of dudes cosplaying as George R. R. Martin, and I couldn't figure it out until I realized it's a bunch of fat dudes with beards. It's all that's <laughs> really what it is. A bunch of old fat dudes. All with it beards. takes is a pair of suspenders and one of those little derby caps, and you're done. Yeah, and you're that's <laughs> it. It's just. I, you know, I don't know. Maybe you're right. I, I heard that, you know, I heard people on internet memes like, oh, you know, I'll just have some nerd finish the story for me. I mean, you know what? More he power said before that he wouldn't. Yeah, I mean, I I used to be really mad about it, and I just don't begrudge him. Like, okay, you got fame. You're, you're walking to the bank with your millions. Like, you, he bought an old um, film theater down in Arizona somewhere, and he, he does, like, you know, these special film, kind of like the narrow, I think it is. It's, it's a historical film house or whatever. And so yeah. he does these shows and occasionally he'll introduce, he'll go down there and he'll introduce one or whatever like that. Like dudes, dudes retired. Essentially. Arizona or new, back in New Mexico. It might be New Mexico. I'm sorry. It's, it's down there in the desert. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's new. I think he's, new, I think he's in Albuquerque or something like that. Yeah. Why, why the hell not? Yeah. And, and it's fine, whatever. And honestly, if he, if his writing had still been at the quality of books one and two, I would have said, "Oh man, that really sucks." But the last few books were shitty. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. So you really you you were you you just think it's it's time. To I think it's done. Yeah. Finish it. Finish it up in the show and just move on. Exactly. Yeah. Oh man, I want. I mean, as a book fan, are you okay with that? Do you think most book fans would be okay with that? I think most book fans are. I, I think you've got a few stages that people are in right now. Like a lot of people have moved past the waiting for it to actually happen. You've got a few people still in the angry phase. Those are the people I think that have been waiting since the early 1990s for the next book. Um, I think you have a few people that are sort of in this, okay, well, I've I've come to the calmness, you know, waiting. I'm going to be patient. 
And then you have a few people like me that have just completely given up. Now, right. do I hope that this is a trend, that a lot of authors do this? No, fuck no. I've got a couple other authors that I've been waiting on books for a little while. One of them is Patrick Rothfuss, who is another asshole um, in <laughs> real life, but he can write. So I, I'm hoping for his next book pretty soon. And the other one is Scott Lynch, who is actually a really sweet person. I met him at Phoenix Comic Con a couple of years ago. Did not know who he was at all. Just walked up to the book or walked up to the booth. They were giving away books. Um, he signed it for me and I was like, thanks. <laughs> and I moved on, like didn't know anything about it. Read the book. Phenomenal book, like really, really well written. One of my favorite things. Um, and so he's got book four coming out this September. So he's we've got a hard date for that one finally. But he had some health issues and uh, a couple of personal life issues that came up in the middle. So I, I don't begrudge anyone taking a little longer. I feel like six years is a little on the long side. Mm. At that point, you know, you have to move on. But fortunately for us, we live in, a, in an era where it's, e it's fairly easy to get published. I know a lot of authors are going to, you know, kill me on that one. But historically speaking, this is one of the easiest times in the world to get published, especially for fantasy and sci-fi. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think there's more book being published per year than they were in the history of books prior to a certain date or something ridiculous like that. So, yeah. yeah. And even if you don't get hard copies, you can like self-publish on Amazon now. Like there's so many opportunities for you to get work out to the general public that I think for most fans, we're just going to have to move on and find a new author. So in the end, what do you think did it? What, what do you think did it in for Martin that just it just. He couldn't do it anymore. What, um, what happened? I think that the show gave him the money and the opportunity to be self-indulgent. Mm. I think that he already had it in him to be very lazy, as we saw with the long waiting periods in between the other books. But I think once he had the money and once he had an excuse to go to conventions where he actually could celebrate his own popularity, that it took away any other reason to sit down and actually write. Mm. And I, I feel that in my bones because I'm the laziest person you will ever meet. I work my ass off so that I can be lazy. Right, right. But if I were given like $17 million tomorrow that I could invest in and live on for the rest of my life, God damn, I would be so fucking lazy. I would. There's just, you know, that's, that's human how, nature. How, do you know how old he is at this point? Um, he's, hmm. I want to say he's in his late 60s, but I might be wrong. Hang on. Yeah, because there's always a chance that, like, age has something to do with it. You know, there's that moment where people are really creative at a certain point in their life, and then it, for whatever reason, it seems to leave them later in life. And, you know, may, maybe you're right. I, I, I can't say one way or the other. I would just be speculating. But, you know, maybe his drive and ambition and creativity just isn't there anymore. It's just maybe he's, the project... I believe, if I remember correctly, he only wanted to make this a trilogy, and it kind of got out of hand. And, As happens. And yeah. He, and, he didn't have a good editor either. Like, there was no one just chopping his work and being like, George, skip this storyline. Like, why are you introducing a new character here? Stop. Yeah. There was no one telling him that. He's 67, by the way. So he's well past the age of retirement. So yeah, you may be right as well. It may be sort of this contribution that, oh, okay, I've worked hard for most of my life. It's time for me to chill now. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it could be. I mean, you know what? Go for it. Have yeah. at it. Yeah. Anyway, so that pretty much wraps up our discussion of the last episode of Season 6 of Game of Thrones. Guys, if you like what we do, you can like and subscribe. Our blog and other podcasts are at thereforegeek.com. You can find us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I have my own Twitter and Instagram, at MaryEyes. You can also find this podcast and other podcasts like it on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and new episodes go up on YouTube weekly. Once again, I am Tracy. I'm the dude. And you've been listening to Therefore I Geek.